Let me ask you to take your copy of God's Word and join me at Romans chapter 10. Hope you have a Bible today. Um, I want to focus us on a passage of Scripture that you're, uh, you're probably familiar with, um, but maybe you haven't thought about in a while. Um, so I want us to look at our, our focus is going to be verse 15. Um, and particularly the quote from the book of Isaiah. But I want to back up a few verses so that you'll have some context. Let's back up to um, verse 8. And uh, let's read through verse 15. This is the word of the Lord. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all, who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, let me just stop there. I uh, can never get used to that verse. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here this morning and you've called upon the Lord, you just want to shout amen. But why, why would God do that for us? This glorious, gracious generous act to save your soul. And we do well to shout hallelujah as we read those passages of Scripture. But all that's by way of setup, and that brings us to verse 14 and these, this series of questions. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And all of these are questions, and the rhetorical response would be, they're not going to. Without each of these components to, uh, to reaching the world around us, they're, they're not going to call on Him, and they're not going to believe on Him, and they're not going to hear without a preacher. And when you hear preacher here, think herald, that all of us are heralds of the gospel and speaking of the truth to our near and far community. And then verse 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and here's the quote from Isaiah, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever and ever. Would you bow your head with me and let us pray? Father, I want to ask you that you would uh, illuminate each of us, especially me, that I would have clarity of thought, and that I would not get in your way, and that the blessed Holy Spirit would roll, would roll through our hearts and our minds. And Lord, that we would not be, um, at best, sermon proof, that we've heard thoughts like this before, uh, and at worst, uh, Lord, that we would not be hardened to the truth. Uh, of your word. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you conform us to the image of Christ? For we do pray in his name. Amen. Well, I've entitled this message, Beautiful People. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. 
uh, beautiful people. Ours is a culture that not only loves beautiful people, we're kind of enamored with beautiful people, aren't we? Whether it's uh, the Blake Livelys of the world, or uh, we used to say Brangelina, but of course that's passe at this point. Uh, the athletes that are beautiful not only in face but in body, and we're just enamored of them, and we'll stand in line for tickets and uh, to be able to catch a glimpse of them. All of us have seen a star or an athlete or somebody in person, and we kind of like to say from time to time, yeah, I saw this or that person in this or that uh, venue. And we're, we're taken with uh, the beauty of people. We, uh, we see a particular movie and uh, a star is wearing a pair of glasses and we might go to the optometrist and say, hey, I want a pair like Matt Damon had. Um, we're taken with the beautiful people and even overwhelmed with them uh, at times. And what is it that makes us like them? What makes us um, have this adoration of them? Is it their skin uh, looking like por- uh, porcelain? Is it their hair that is beautifully done? What is it that so attracts us? They seem perfect, don't they? Um, we don't know them, but we attach our affections to them. We're drawn by beautiful people. But our focus in each of those cases that I laid out is really surface. It's the superficial stuff. It is clothes. It is skin tone. It is body type or facial shape. Um, And we're taken with the beautiful people. But what does the Bible say about beauty? I want to note a couple of things before we actually come to our text. What, What does the Bible say and what does our text say ultimately about beauty? Well... It's interesting that our text says how beautiful are the feet of someone. We never do this, do we? We never say, wow, look at those feet. She or he has beautiful feet. I'm taken with those feet. So why is it that the Lord does this in this particular text to say how beautiful are the feet of them who bring this good news? Well, you think about it, particularly in Paul's day, that feet could be really dirty. No asphalt, no concrete to walk on, just dirt and dusty roads. And uh, you can imagine that feet that were either bare or in sandals all the time could be pretty calloused and not necessarily ready for the the sandal model or the toe ring model um, situation, but something that would be uh, pretty dirty and even unsanitary to, uh, to behold. But Paul is saying here yet again, these are beautiful feet. And not just Paul, he's actually quoting uh, the prophet Isaiah here. Before we get in the text proper, what does the scripture say about the subject of beauty? Well, let me give you a couple of references. One is 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. It's the calling of David as the king and God is actually Uh, speaking to Samuel as Samuel is about to put his hands on Eliab. That was David's older brother. And this is what God said to Samuel. He said, don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. I've refused Eliab. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
First Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 3, has the same sentiment when the Lord is actually addressing a women who come to faith in Christ and yet they're still married to their unsaved husband. And uh, He is saying to them that there is to be a, a, a beauty about you that is to win your lost husband in that particular situation. Verse 3 of 1 Peter 3 says this, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, from uh, elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it, beauty, it should be uh, that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. So beauty here, God is saying not something that ought to be emphasized on the outside, but rather on the inside. God looks not on the outward appearance, but on the heart. Uh, your beauty ought to be the inner uh, beauty and not so much the outer beauty. But that's not to say that God doesn't love beauty. The Scripture itself actually says that God is beautiful. Psalm 27 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, and that will I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And don't you see the Lord is beautiful? You know, as Coleman uh, led us in the Apostles' Creed, and you think about all of those truths, whether God is Creator, or God exists in a Trinity, or that the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived miraculously uh, by the Holy Spirit, um, or the fact that we look forward to the resurrection of the dead, all of these kinds of things, all to cause us to say, God, as the designer of all these things, is beautiful. And I love that beauty. And that's what Psalm 27 verse 4 is all about. The Bible tells us that God is beautiful. The Bible tells us that creation is beautiful. Uh, the Bible uh, exalts beauty in its various displays, including things like the temple of the Lord was made to be beautiful. So outward beauty is not something that's bad. In fact, it is, is good. I think the emphasis there in the Scripture is that it's not the only thing and not the thing. There's a great story about an architect, Richard Fuller, who died in 1983. And at one point in his life, a student from MIT asked him if he took beauty into an account when he was working on a technical architectural problem. And Richard Fuller replied to this student, he said, no. He said, but when I finished, if the solution is not beautiful, I know it's wrong. Isn't that a great quote? In other words, I'm working out architectural details, and while he doesn't start with beauty, if it doesn't end up beautiful, I know that the solution's wrong. So we are appreciative of beauty and the Lord's giving us beautiful things in our world. There is another side to beauty. Um, Proverbs 31.30 says that beauty is fleeting, it's passing away. James 1 verse 11 tells us that beauty of the rich and the, and the influential person will fade away. I think, all, I think what the scripture is saying is that beauty has been given to us by God. It is something that is important, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. So to our text. God is telling us that beautiful people are those who are doing something. Look back at what it says here. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. They're doing something. They're doing something specific. 
they're preaching the gospel. People with beautiful feet are preaching the gospel, and they're bringing glad tidings of good things. If you'll look back at Isaiah, the Isaiah passage in uh, chapter 52, it actually says that beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. And I think that's an interesting addition, why the Apostle Paul leaves out the concept that their feet on the mountains, we don't know exactly. But it makes me think of people who are doing some traveling, people who are exerting some effort in order to bring the gospel to somebody else. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Uh, some of you will remember the name of C. Everett Koop. He was the Surgeon General of the United States for many years, a few years back. And uh, he was known not only as the Surgeon General, but he was known as a great surgeon. And um, as a great surgeon, he told uh, later in his memoirs, he told of nurses who made his surgery possible. And he basically gave them so much credit. He said, without them, I couldn't do what I had done. And so uh, over the door into the surgical suite, he had a sign made and it said, through these portals pass the most beautiful women in the world. And it was not an untoward sort of comment. He said, the nurses um, knew I wasn't talking about superficial, physical beauty. Uh, They knew I was appreciating all the things they did to make possible our success in the operating room. Here's the point. Is that what Paul is talking about here and what C. Everett Coop was talking about in a surgical suite was not observable beauty or outward beauty or descriptive beauty, but rather it was functional beauty. Based upon what people did, uh, what people You see, what a beautiful person is doing here in this passage of Scripture is not their acting or their modeling or even their athletic prowess or their singing, but what they're doing is is they're bringing the good news. The story is told of of a missionary in Western Africa who saw a young man come to faith in Christ, and yet this young man had elephantiasis. Now, I'm not a doctor. Some of our doctors here could help us out with that. But as I understand elephantiasis, uh, it's a disease that makes the skin very thick uh, and so that the lower part of the leg uh, swells and the foot swells and, and below the knee, legs could be 12 to 15 inches in diameter, just huge. And of course, um, this is hard to look at, but it's also very painful to the person. Well, this missionary tells the story of a young man who had come to faith in Christ but had elephantiasis. And uh, it was his passion since he had come to know the Lord that everybody in his village would come to know Jesus or that everybody would at least hear the gospel. And so when he came to faith in Jesus, he spent all day, every day, until everyone had heard the gospel, sharing the gospel. That's what he did. And yet every step that he took because of the elephantiasis was very painful. Well, there was another village uh, just about two miles down a dirt road. Um, and he asked the missionary, this young man with the elephantiasis, he said, uh, Do, have, have they heard the gospel? And the missionary said, not to my knowledge. And he said, I'm going to take the gospel to them. And everybody said, look, with the condition of your legs, you ought not to do this. 
Uh, this is going to be hard on you. This is going to hurt you. This could bring damage to your body. You need to be very careful. But he didn't care. And so what he did is every day, very early in the morning, he would get up and he would walk the two miles and all day long he would work throughout this village sharing the gospel with this village until everybody had heard. And every night, late at night, he would make his way back. And he would be in utter pain, just struggling to get home until everybody had heard the gospel. Well, then there was a third village. And this village was 10 to 12 miles away. And yet his heart broke for these people. He was so excited about Jesus. Jesus was the one who has come into my life and He's brought the, the, the freedom from the tyranny of sin. And, and I know that I'm, I'm at peace with God. And Jesus is my Savior and God is my Father and I'm resting in Him. And how can these other folks not uh, have an opportunity to hear this message? So one night... As the story is later told, one night his family heard him get up extremely early in the morning and they thought he was just leaving for the moment. And so he leaves his village and he begins this 10 to 12 mile journey to the nearby village. As the story is told, he did not reach the village until way afternoon and he shared the gospel until late, late in the afternoon. And it was time to go back. And yet, as he came back, it was very dark. And yet, any fear he might have had of walking down an, an African trail in the pitch black dark was totally overwhelmed by his joy of the fact of those who had heard the gospel. Well, a little after midnight, on the day that he had gone to this village, the missionary heard a very quiet sound on his front porch. And uh, the missionary didn't think a whole lot about it and yet in a few minutes he got up and he went to the door and he opened it to see his friend with the elephantiasis laying uh, on the front porch. And his feet are a bloody, bruised mess. He was nearly unconscious. And as the missionary tells this story, he would say, in all my life, I don't know when my heart was more drawn out to another Christian believer. All that I could think was that verse in the Bible, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Let me ask you a question. Do you have beautiful feet? You know I'm not talking about whether or not you could model sandals. I'm talking about a passion for the gospel. Would you walk two miles to tell somebody the gospel? Would you drive two miles to tell somebody the gospel? Would you walk next door with a plate of cookies to tell somebody the gospel? Let's back up just one step on this. Does your heart so ring with the joy of the gospel that you say, I can't help but tell you. And and that's what drives me. You see, that's the sentiment of how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In other words, you see that person coming and you say, wow, I love to see them coming. 
the euphemism is, is they have beautiful feet because those feet are the thing that are bringing me the gospel. I want you to think about the person who brought the gospel to you. Maybe it was a parent, but maybe it was somebody else. For me, it was two fellows. One was named Tim and one was named Ron. And I was converted about 35 years ago. And um, regrettably, I've lost track of these two people. Um, and you know, their feet may be covered in bunions and corns. They may, may even have a hammer toe. But I'll tell you what, if, uh, if they walked in the back door of this cafeteria, things would stop. Because they would be the people with the most beautiful feet that I know. Because they brought me the gospel. And somebody did that for you. But how about you for somebody else? Do you have beautiful feet? You know, um, and again, the driving motivation is, is the amount of joy that you have because you know the Lord Jesus Christ, because you are so enamored of Him, because you are so in awe of the fact that your, your sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west that you are right with God, that on your worst day, when you, when you have committed the most sin you have in a year's time, the Lord Jesus still looks at you and says, this is my child and I love this child. They need to repent, but I love them. And His love for us is unaltered even on those days. Does that drive you to share the Gospel? Would we cross the street for... That. I want you to look at Luke chapter 7. Would you turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 7? I want to show you one more angle of beauty. <clears throat> now, if I were to ask you, is the Lord Jesus Christ beautiful? Some of you might say, well, yes, He's beautiful. Others of you might say, well... I've never seen him, and Pastor, seriously, neither have you. Um, and so I don't know that Jesus is beautiful. Um, in fact, I would even go one further for you and quote Isaiah yet again in chapter 53 that Jesus has no form or comeliness. Uh, and when we see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. I don't think that Jesus was somebody who had innate beauty, uh, or physical beauty. Just sort of a regular looking person. And yet, in Luke chapter 7, and verse 36, we see somebody who gets the absolute, infinite beauty of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. And one of the Pharisees asked him, that is our Savior, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wash them with her hair, the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Here's somebody who got, um, who got the beauty of feet who bring good news. 
Can you imagine being so taken with the Lord Jesus and this woman apparently converted and overwhelmed with who Jesus is, not just crying, but, but producing enough tear that there is some washing of His feet, complete with wiping it with her hair. His feet. She grasped His beauty. And that's for us really today. Maybe you've come today and you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ in a saving way. And yet this woman's action towards the Lord Jesus is an example to you that you might grasp what He does. Because what He does for people in having gone to the cross and then to the grave and then being resurrected, what He does for people is is He removes our sin. If we will receive what He's done, if we will receive Him to as many as have received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on His name, is what John said. Do you see Jesus as beautiful? Do you see Him with beautiful feet? Here's this woman adoring Him by way of the appreciation of His feet because it's His feet that have brought us not only the the Gospel, but the actual accomplishing of the Gospel as well. Do you know Jesus? Have you embraced Him? Have you acknowledged Him even as this woman did here in Luke chapter 7? I hope you have. I hope you have. Well, go forth, my friends, and consider the beauty of your own feet. And consider, more importantly, the beauty of the feet of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank You for this wonderful picture because what it does is it drives us to consider real beauty. Beauty that counts. Beauty that does not fade away. Beauty that does not wrinkle up. And so, Lord, what we ask is is that we might be people enamored of... um, enamored of our Savior, but enamored of the Gospel. And that we might, in fact, ask ourselves, do we have beautiful feet? We know people who have beautiful feet to us because they brought us the Gospel. May we be those who will share this life-changing, eternal destiny-changing truth. We pray you do that work in our heart now. In Jesus' name. Amen.